0: Well, welcome to this episode of the Texas Tech edition of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jackson Moody. Texas Tech with a massive win Tuesday night against the Horned Frogs, 82 to 81. A game that, you know what, looking at the box score, you wouldn't assume Texas Tech would have won, but they find a way like they have so many times this season. We'll talk about why that one was so massive. Uh, we'll touch on Iowa State against Texas Tech. We'll do that first, but that's really not the story of the day Also on the baseball diamond Texas Tech goes three and two in Arlington and uh, not a great weekend Not a great weekend. You lost to both the top ten teams you played You played two of the better teams in nation in the nation that could definitely make it to Omaha with a pretty young squad lost both but you took care of business in the other three we'll talk about all of that and more and then we also have some football and playoff expansion that we will touch on at the end but let's start with Texas Tech Iowa State I promise you we're only going to spend about 30 seconds on it because there was a big game on Tuesday we got to talk about instead So, uh, if you can, uh, go ahead and give us a five-star review and uh, rating. I would greatly appreciate it. It helps us with everything that we do here. We also have a message board that I I will be posting Texas Tech Baseball thoughts on quite consistently and touch on that as well. Um, So, And, by the way, if you don't like the podcast, uh, you can find me at JacksonBig12 on Twitter. You can just say mean things to me. I'd much prefer that. But let's talk about the basketball. So, we'll start off with Iowa State. I'm going to be completely honest with y'all. This weekend, I was trying to get my internet sorted out. Got back from work trip about 10.30 p.m. on Friday. Then my hotspot on my phone wasn't working. So, I didn't get a, I, I caught the game. I didn't catch much of the baseball except on the radio because it was on Flow Baseball. So, I caught that on the end of that on Friday. Caught it on Sunday. But, Dex tech, tech, from what I could see against Iowa State, they battled hard. And they were just outclassed. Uh, You were missing Warren Washington. Iowa State's one of those teams that is right up there with Houston. They really are. And you could see that on Big Monday if you watched that game. Houston had not had a team that kept it within 15 points at home all season until Iowa State lost by single digits against them. Iowa State really is a darn good basketball team. They forced you into over 20 turnovers, which was terrible. That's not your identity. That's not who this team is. You were missing Warren Washington. Still, there's no excuse for that amount of turnovers. But this team fought hard, and they had some chances. Darian Williams had a shot to cut it to within, I believe, five points with about eight minutes to go. And then instead, uh, he misses. They get the ball back. He turns it over, and they're going the other way. Darian Williams... Another double-double. That man is amazing. 12 points, 11 total boards. Pop Isaacs had a bad shooting night, 0 for 7 from 3, 2 of 11 overall. Kyron Lindsey and Chance McMillan, the only bench players to play. Lamar Washington did not see the floor in this game. Uh, Robert Jennings had 13 points. But that's about all I have to say from that. It was impressive. I mean, This game should have been over very early in the second half. They fought back. They had a chance with about eight minutes left to stay in this game. They end up losing by eight. That's why they were in the rankings this week, because they didn't get blown out by 25. They got blown They got beat by eight. Now, for TCU against Texas Tech, and the game that we were all watching and that we all want to talk about. So, there's a lot of ways to describe this TCU-Texas Tech game. Um, ugly, not your best, hard on the eyes, they all fit, they all fit, and at the end of the day, you'll walk away with an 82-81 win without your starting center, who I've said all year is your most important player on this team, that you walk away with that without your starting center, with Robert Jennings, your backup center, remind you, The guy who is supposed to be playing the four for you has been out. You lost your number five. Then your only other backup that sees minutes, that plays either of those two positions from the beginning, obviously Darian moved to the four, gets two fouls in the first four minutes of this game. And you find a way in this one. Now just recapping, you shot 26 of 66 from the field, six of 22 from three. You were under 28% from three. But you get to the line 28 times, knock down 24 of them. You only let them to the line 21 times. They knock down 16 of them. On the boards, you were out-rebounded by 13. And on the offensive boards, you were rebounded by seven. There is not much of an explanation on how tex Tech won this game. I, it, It doesn't make sense when you look at that box score that this team won this game. But they did. And it started at the under 8 timeout. You were down like 10. It looked like you were just out of this game. It looked like, you know what? Man, we really need Warren Washington back. By the way, this is the third game you've played without him. One of them was in Waco where you played well and kept it close. They had that run on you, and then you almost brought it back at the end. Iowa State, they just dominated you for the first 15 minutes of the game. And then you kind of brought it back at the end again. This game he kind of got dominated for the first 25 minutes of the game not really dominated you were tied at halftime and it felt like a miracle that you were tied at halftime but you found a way and just going through the players here and i will say this right off the bat the officiating when we played them in fort worth was terrible we got away with one here joe tucson and now That last travel call that Jamie Dixon was complaining about, come on, man. That's not a travel. There was 1.4 seconds left. You were fouling the crap out of Pop Isaacs as well. Come on. And Jamie Dixon, by the way, he was up by the top of the coach's box. Walks all the way down on the court. When you get the ball to inbound, he actually has a foot inside the three-point line. I, I mean, come on. He was trying to play defense out there. They had six guys defending the the inbounds pass, and then he's complaining about a ticky track travel. That's not the call I'm talking about. The call I'm talking about that I thought was iffy, and by the way, Robert Jennings, his first two fouls were very soft calls. The call I'm talking about was when Joe Toussaint was taking it up the court, and they knocked the ball off his hands. That one, that one we kind of got away with. We got a home whistle there. We did. We did. It is what it is. We got a home whistle in Fort Worth. Or They got the home whistle in Fort Worth. We got the home whistle in Lubbock. We found a way to win. We split the series without our starting center. Yes, they had Uday out. He takes like two shots a game. Who cares? Mustafa, the, the, the guy that they had in center replacing Uday, he was literally at the feeble World Cup this past year playing for Egypt. So they had an experienced center. We had, we had some guys who aren't over 6'8 playing center. Robert Jennings. He was in foul trouble, never really played that great. He only got two points, one of five from the field, only got 15 minutes. Darion Williams, that dunk that he had to tie the game, five of 12 from the field, 33 minutes, 14 points. And there was a point where he got four fouls kind of early after that under four timeout that it was like, oh, crap. Like, oh, crap, we may be screwed here. But they found a way. Or, but he didn't get pick up another, and you found a way. Kerwin Walton, 28 minutes, 4 of 10 from the field, 3 of 8 from 3. Man, he had a really good wide open 3 at one point that felt like it was critical. That he almost bricked off, I think, bricked off the backboard. Um, He was 3 of 8 from 3, which still isn't bad stats. Hit all his free throws, got 14 points for you. Lamar Washington barely saw the floor, missed an open corner 3, hit another field goal, got 2 points on the day. Chance McMillan. One of four from three, he's been slumping too. I know that all the talk is about Popeye's Isaacs. Chance McMillan has kind of been slumping from beyond the arc too. You need at least one of those two firing. He was three of seven, he had nine points. But let's be honest, the day belonged to Kyron Lindsey. A guy that could not find the floor all year against San Jose State against Texas A&M Commerce School for the Blind, deaf, and Disabled. He couldn't find the floor against him. He comes in and gives you big mints. And now, he made some big offensive plays for you. He also provided you length, which you needed, especially with Robert Jennings in foul trouble because it was him or EY out there. 23 mints, 4 of 9, no threes. He missed both his free throws. That's not good. He got seven defensive boards for you. He got one offensive board, seven boards total, got an assist, got eight points. That man stepped up after never seeing the floor all year against a TCU team that is a darn good team that could, if they are in the 8-9 matchup, I am not counting them out of upsetting a one seed in that matchup. I am not counting them out of that. This is a very good and experienced TCU team that knows what they're doing on the court. Jamie Dixon's had success at TCU he rebuilt that program he had tons of success at Pitt which the old big East which he was playing in is pretty much like the big 12 is today but Chiron Lindsay to not step on the floor you got to give that man his credit. you got to give him his due. and look he has deficiencies in his game with about two minutes left he turns the ball over after a big defensive play uh and it looked bad he got two blocks for you had that one turnover which is brutal but he played well for you he gave you size and length and now no he's not a certified 23 minutes a game big 12 player not by any stretch of the imagination he probably has like I don't know. He got 23 minutes on Tuesday night. He probably has about 40 minutes on the season. He's not a certified rotational Big 12 piece yet. But man, to step into that and come through like he did after never seeing the floor, you got to give it up for that man. You got to give him his credits. And now let's talk about the guard play. So the backcourt has been slumping for Tex Tech, a combined 8 of 21 from the field. 36 minutes for both Pop Isaacs and Joe Toussaint. Pop was 4 of 11. Joe Toussaint was 4 of 10. Joe Toussaint took two threes. Hit one of them. Pop Isaacs, again, slumping from three. Going 0 for 5. Now here's where it gets good. Those two took 17 free throws. They went 16 of 17 from the free throw arc. Texas Tech, in the last seven minutes of this game, did not take a single shot from outside the paint. And this is one big thing with Pop Isaacs. His three-point shot is not working. It is not working. And this is where he's improved so much from last season. The Cincinnati game, I kind of feel like, was freshman pop. This is slumping pop, but in a more mature fashion. He didn't take many threes down the stretch of this game at all. And I'm talking last 16 minutes down the stretch of this game. He knew that it wasn't hidden for him, and he got four field goals, got to the line six times, drew six fouls, and hit 11 of them. He also had some really nice assists. I mean, his pass to Darion Williams going up the court where he slings it back to Darion in the corner, and Darion gets dunked to tie it. I I mean, that was sensational. He finished with 19 points. Joe Toussaint finished with 14. I know there was some talk about... uh, probably a lot of people out there was thinking pop's killing this team guys pop has matured from last year being a guy who looks like a shooting guard to a guy who's a legitimate point guard and now part of the reason why is because they know he can go off at every moment so you have to guard him tighter further away from the basket and that gives him more more ability to dribble and drive and attack the defense go in the paint and he's improved that part of his game and Pop Isaacs, there is a point where when he's slumping like this, Grant McCaslin needs to pull him over and take the green light away from him. But that doesn't mean you, can take the, you need to take the ball out of his hands. That doesn't mean he's a deficiency to his te- this team. I mean, he got four assists. Uh, he had two turnovers, but he had four really nice assists. He got six defensive boards for you. Him and Joe Toussaint, by the way, at the end of the half, their defensive possession right at the end of the first half when it was tied was sensational by both of them. Uh, Pop Isaacs also drew a flagrant. Those guys can get after it. Really impressed with the development of this team and certain players. Darion Williams has grown into a star. I know at the start of the season, I said, you know, he's going to take some time to grow into the Big 12. Here he is. He, first game in, what, three, four games where he doesn't get a double-double and he goes 14-7. and seven. Pop Isaacs, 0 for 5 from 3, still able to get you 19 points and be a good distributor, lead you back down the stretch. Joe Toussaint, a guy that was averaging, what, probably five points a game at West Virginia last year. He's able to put up 14 points even when his shots aren't quite falling and he's kind of in a slump. Chance McMillan. A uh, guy that came from Grand Canyon, a small college, a small conference. One of four from three, still able to get you nine points and give you 27 big mints. Kyron Lindsey, a man who hasn't seen the court all year, steps up, gives you 23 mints. I mean, it is impressive what this team has done. Thoroughly impressed. It is a fun team to watch. I don't know if I've had as much fun watching a Texas Tech team since the Final Four era. Look, the COVID year. You weren't that great. The second round appearance, you were what, 9-8 and eight in Big 12 play? You probably would have been 10-8. And, and then the Sweet 16 was amazing, but you knew you had talent on this roster. And I think that this roster is completely maximizing its abilities. And doing so without your starting four from the beginning of the season and without your starting five for this game. And all three games, they haven't had Warren Washington, who I, I said, ah, I think we're screwed if we have Warren Washington. Well, you know what? I'm an idiot because we got a big win against TCU and we held them tied in Waco and we held them tied in Ames without him. This is a good team no matter who's on the court. They buy into how they want to play. And they completely, by the way, ripped up their playing style in the middle of the season when, the, when Cambridge went down. And that brings me to my next point. So... Y- y'all probably know this. Um, Richard Isaacs, I've interviewed him before. I text with him occasionally. He, pop Isaacs' dad, he's, he's a nice guy, going through a lot. Um, and then Lorenzo Diase, who, let, let's just say this, he came from a very defensive style of basketball under Chris Beard and Mark Adams. Um, Odiase at one point during the game, tweeted out, we don't deserve to win. Uh, And then also tweeted out a little bit more after. So after the win, and by the way, Odiase was also complimentary on some of his other many tweets. Uh, He said, we will never be a championship team if we continue to get out-rebounded like that. Yes, you can be positive and critical in a win. Never compromise your standards. He also said, rebounding isn't about personnel. Rebounding is about personnel, okay. There, there's a reason seven-footers get more rebounders than more re, more rebounds than six-footers. Okay, rebounding does matter with personnel. Now, here's where I think he's off base because he's not wrong. This was a an abjectly bad rebounding night for Texas Tech, like in a horrible fashion. I mean, there were balls that were hitting your hands and going out of play. A it was a bad rebounding night for Texas Tech. Okay even without Warren Washington, by those standards, and you are playing very undersized. But where I think that he's wrong, and Richard Isaac said something to this effect about the negativity and stuff, and he kind of explained it. Where I think that he's wrong is this is not the Texas Tech team that we're all used to. We're used to winning off of defense and toughness and rebounding and this is a very tough texas tech basketball team don't get me wrong on that this is a tough college basketball team it takes a lot of toughness to come da- back from as many times as they were down they already lacked depth to begin with with the season are constantly losing guys fighting through the flu this is an extraordinarily tough texas tech basketball team i think this is maybe a excluding the sweet 16, probably at least the toughest that we've had since the final four run maybe the lead eight run cuz the covid or the year that you were a bubble team that the tournament got canceled you weren't that good or that tough the covid year you weren't that tough last year you were not tough at all this team rebounding wise is what it is it's not going to be good and you've had good rebounding games But especially without Warren Washington, we all know this is not going to be a good rebounding team. Now, I've said it a ton of times. You don't have to be good. You just have to not get killed on the offensive boards or make it up in turnovers. And against Iowa State, you didn't do that. But this game, you did. And you did it by getting to the foul line. You found ways to make up for it. And it was abjectly bad rebounding tonight. This is the worst rebounding performance on Tuesday night that I've seen from a Texas Tech team in a long, long, long time. This current roster, I've never seen them rebound that bad. Never. We were getting killed on the offensive glass in the under four timeout by Baylor. Then we got outdone by one rebound the last 36 minutes of the game. Okay, This was an objectively bad rebounding performance. There's no debate about that. I don't think that's going to happen a ton. I, I mean, this was an outlier. This was an outlier. This team has not shown to be this bad at rebounding. And the thing about a championship team is this isn't a championship team. This is a rebuilding year that is overachieving and can go to the second weekend of the tournament. They probably locked up their spot this week. If not, they have five more chances in the regular season to get one win and lock up their spot. We're sad here. Before the season, a lot of people thought we'd be an NIT team or were hoping we could get that after Cambridge went down. Even before the season, I said, if we make it to the NCAA tournament, this is a success. Guys, we are 8-5 and five in the Big 12 play. We are tied with Baylor and Kansas for third place. We were never going to compete with Iowa State. Who would have thought we'd be competing with Kansas, with Baylor, be ahead of TCU, be ahead of Texas? Who would have thought that before the season started? No one. No one thought that before the season started, that we would be this good. This team is not a championship team. This is a team that I love watching. I'm really enjoying every moment I get to watch them. I cannot wait until Saturday when we play UCF. But this is not a... F- Maybe they could make the Final Four. You never know. This team could certainly get out the first weekend. They get one draw in one of the other games, have a shot hot shooting night in the other. They could make the Final Four. This is not a team that has championship expectations at all. This is not a team with the depth built in. To go and win the Big 12 tournament either. This team is not on the level of Houston. They are not there yet. This is the worst roster Grant McCaslin will ever have. We ripped up the way we were supposed to play. And I think Odi I, I don't know if it's because he comes from a defensive mindset. That they are always defensive and all that. But Grant McCaslin came with a very slow tempo. And he wanted to speed the tempo up. And he did. At the beginning of the year he did speed the tempo up. But there was still a defensive focus. And then Cambridge goes down. You have to decide right then and there. Okay. Is Robert Jennings ready for 30 minutes a night? Is Kyron Lindsey ready for that? No? Okay. Well, we're going to go with three guards. We're going to space the floor. We're going to play offensive. And you know what? We're going to fight hard on defense. We're going to fight. But we're going to be undersized. We're going to give up points. We know we are. We're not going to be happy about it. But we're going to give up some points, and we're going to space a floor and outscore them. And you know what? Kerwin Walton comes in. He, he comes in as your starter. He's one of the best three-point shooters in America right now. I mean, I think that it's—yes, you want your defense to be better next year. You want your rebounding to be better next year. Yes, it would It would be great to have a bacho a Vlad Goldine, one of the guys that we've processed— but that's not who this roster is. That's not who this team wins is. And good guard play wins in March. And you have some really good guards on your team. And you're developing some young guys. And you have guys that are older, Joe Toussaint, Warren Washington, that are having career years for you in their last year. And then you also have guys that chance like Chance McMillan, Darian Williams, Pop Isaacs that also have eligibility left. Uh, Kyron Lindsay made strides to, on Tuesday. Robert Jennings has made strides this season. There is a lot to be excited about with this team. And just because it doesn't look like it did a few years ago, doesn't mean this isn't a good basketball team. And so now that i finished telling y'all that we can't win a championship, let's talk about some goals for this team. Uh, The Big 12 tournament, I said earlier I wanted to finish top four. And by the way, on Twitter, I called it like after the bailouts, I said, Y'all know we're going to beat UCF, Kansas, TCU, Texas, and Baylor at home. Losing Ames, then win two out of three at West Virginia, Oklahoma State, and UCF. Well, uh, four for four so far with that one. Tex Tech is currently tied in a three-way tie for third with Kansas and Baylor. You have the tiebreaker over Kansas. You have a chance to even up the tiebreaker with Baylor. Kansas still plays Baylor again. You're a game behind Iowa State. You lost that tiebreaker. You're two games behind Houston. There is a possibility you could share for the Big 12 title if you win out. If Houston loses to Kansas and then loses to Baylor, I believe was the other one. Um, But that's not really what I'm expecting here. I want to finish top four. Now let's take a look at the schools below you. So Kansas and Baylor have tougher run-ins than you do. You still get to play Baylor. Below you at six and seven, or tied at six, six seed and seven seed at seven and six overall, is BYU and TCU. You have the tiebreaker over BYU. You split the tiebreaker with TCU. Then two games below that is OU, who who you have the tiebreaker over, and Texas, who you also currently have the tiebreaker over and can go ahead and clinch it. If this team can finish four and one, they're going to be a top four seed. In the Big 12 tournament. If this team can finish 3-2, and two, that will still probably be a top 4 seed in the Big 12 tournament if they beat Baylor. Everything is ahead of this basketball team right now. And I'm just hoping they finish top 4 in the Big 12. You're at least a top 6 seed there. And I'm fine with being a 6 seed. It would be great to work yourself up to the 4 line. I mean, what a statement that would be. But, let's be honest. If you want to make a run. If you want this to be enjoyable as a Tech fan kind of want that six seed because then you don't have to play a one seed you get a winnable matchup with a three seed and then by the way houston is going to have the protected seed in dallas if you're a top four seed you're not going to dallas for your sweet 16 and elite eight you're going somewhere else if you're a six seed odds are you're going to dallas for that so amazing week amazing result for tex tech against tcu now you look ahead at ucf It's going to be crucial for tex Tech to go ahead and get Warren Washington back. They have a stud center on that UCF team who did not play us the first game. UCF has completely fallen apart. They've lost six of their last seven. They just lost to Cincinnati at home by two, who, by the way, just lost at home to Oklahoma State. They're 2-5 and at home in Big 12 play. Uh, But they lost to West Virginia as well, lost a close one to BYU. They're not a terrible team by any means. They're having trouble adjusting to the Big 12. Well, not really adjusting. They weren't good in the American to begin with, but whatever. Um, but you have plenty of chances here. Uh, I think it's going to depend a lot on Warren Washington, or you're you're either going to need Robert Jennings or Kyron to step up in that place. But tex Tech still certainly in the mix for a top four seed, which is all you can ask for. Now, since we went ahead and covered basketball, let's get on to baseball, and I'm sorry, this is going on a long time. So, we're going to go ahead and make our baseball review pretty quick here. tex Tech, Tech goes 3-2 and two. overall. They fall to Tennessee in a game. By the way, Tennessee was throwing a guy who came out of their bullpen last year who had under a 0.9 ERA. You weren't going to win that game. You went 5 of 30 overall, and that one only drew one walk. Um, you gave up eight hits, six runs. You gave up six walks. You had 10Ks, but the six walks killed you. You gave up six runs on eight, eight hits. You weren't out hit by them that much, even despite the pitching. Kyle Robinson only gave you three and two-thirds, gave up three runs on four hits. Um. Other than that, Jacob Rogers was really the weak point. He only got two outs, gave up three runs as well. Uh, but you saw some good things out of some players. Uh, Josh Sanders, who's been around here for a while, had a good performance. Lysick, again, not too good. Didn't record an out, gave up two hits. But game two against Nebraska, much better overall. You went 11 of 36 on the day. You drew, You drew two walks. And yeah, gave up 10 hits, but only allowed three runs, only walked five batters. Game three, you went 13 of 35 uh, from the batter's box and nine of six. I'm sorry about, or sorry, gave up 16 hits, seven runs. Your bullpen kind of let you down in that game. It was really good in game two against Nebraska. Um, Mac Howard, and by the way, I'm probably mispronouncing that right now. And uh, Huffling was a big performer for you in Game 3 against Oregon. And by the way, I'm sorry. I did not watch this game. I listened to the last three innings of Tennessee on the radio after I got off the plane. Then I would listen to pretty much the whole Oregon game on the radio. Uh, but overall, not a bad performance. You went 2-1. and one. You really beat up on UT Arlington. You went 13. You you were 13-41. and 41, um, For your first four games... You had a 289 average, 430 slugging, some key performers for you, and some pieces that we need to talk about because you completely remade your infield. So your typical infield lineup last year was Cash at first. He stayed there. But then at second, it was Austin Green. Shortstop is Tracer Lopez. I know Will Burns played in the regional. Third base was Kevin Bazell. Then catcher was Hudson White. Bazell moved to catcher. McGee, who, by the way, uh, there was one game that really stood out to me here that I drew a lot of walks, I believe. Maybe I didn't punch that in. But uh, McGee, he made some good defensive plays for you at third base. Uh, Bazell threw out a runner, at catcher. Uh, shortstop was TJ Pompey, who, by the way, was your only offense on Friday night against Tennessee. He went one for three with a big what was it it was either a double or a triple i'm sorry i have all i i moved the stats over combined them all into a spreadsheet not sure exactly which one it was but he was good for you 357 average 571 slugging through the first four games i haven't updated game five yet oregon state you really weren't out hit by a ton against them uh let's let's go through the box score here you're eight of 32 they're only 10 of 35. The problem was the walks. Um, So you gave up eight walks to them and you didn't go ahead and execute. I mean, this team just did not execute uh, with runners in scoring position. Tracer Lopez had a chance. I believe the other one who had a chance was Gavin Cash. Um, So... Jacob Rogers was a guy that I talked about that I was really impressed with. So I saw him pitch again in the second game of the doubleheader against Apple and Christian. And from there on out, he played pretty well for me. Even in Gainesville, he pitched, I believe, three innings, gave up one run. Not terrible by any stretch of the imagination. But he had an absolute disaster class of a weekend. I mean, let's be honest about what this was. Game one, let me pull up these stats. He gets two outs, gives up three runs on one hit, walks three guys, no strikeouts. He had a clean first inning for you. Three up, three down today. And he was a starter. I don't disagree with that. He flashed in Gainesville. It's a fifth game. Uh Tabor Fast is a bit banged up, I believe, although he pitched an inning for you, which was a good sign. But Jacob Rogers in two innings gives up four earned runs, five total, four hits, walks a guy uh, on balls, and then also hits a guy with a pitch. Uh, I mean, just terrible outing from a guy who flashed at the end of last year. I I tell you what, we're playing Texas Southern this weekend. I'm excited. I hope, I'm sure I'll be able to give y'all a lot better analysis because I'll actually be able to watch the games this weekend and the rest of the season, but I hope Jacob Rogers gets some time against an inferior opponent because I do think that he has potential for you, but if he doesn't pick it up, there's no chance I'm throwing him against Texas. None at all. I I would not even contemplate throwing him against Texas if he doesn't pick it up or look good for you in the next couple weeks because that's your first opponent in Big 12 play. And it's going to come hot and heavy. You have Guard- you have Texas Southern this weekend. You have Gardner-Webb the weekend after that. You have New Mexico in the midweek for one game. And then you're into Big 12 play. So it's going to come hot and heavy. Young team overall. Pompey showed some flashes. Uh, Austin Green, by the way, he made two huge plays in the outfield for you. Yeah. <laughs> Can't really describe them since I was listening on the radio, but he had a 438 average, 813 slugging. This is for the first four games I don't have quite have game five updated yet. Uh, other than that, Damian Bravo, who I was not that high on, he had a huge weekend. He made a big play in the outfield, 429 average, 571 slugging. Pompey, uh, believe it's pronounced Pompey, He's a freshman. Give me time. It's first weekend. I didn't get to watch the game, so so we'll learn it together. But he had a three fifty seven average, five seventy one slugging. Um, other than that, Drew Woodcox. He only saw the field a few times, and I believe he had a rough showing today. Uh, no, that was against UTA. But he did go. He did go two for three for you against Nebraska. Your bullpen stepped up big because Zane Petty only gave you two innings. It was Mack Hauer, and good chance I'm mispronouncing it. Again, give me another week. I'll have it down. But he gave you three and a third, only allowed one run. Ryan Free came in, uh, gave you two and two thirds, allowed no run. Then Parker Heitra, again, give me a week. Uh, One inning to close this one out. Uh, Jack Washburn stepped in. Gave you four innings in his first game since injury. Not terrible by any means. He only walked one guy. uh, Struck out six, but he did give up six hits. Gave up three runs. After that, Derek Bridges, he's another guy who had a pretty tough weekend. Struggled against Oregon. Kind of let them back into the game. As did Josh Sanders, who had a great performance on Friday night against Tennessee. But Max Huffling, the star of the show for you on Sunday Three full innings. One run total. Really good performance from your bit pin. And then really nothing going wrong for you against UTA. They're not that good. And then Oregon State, it all went bad. But let's be honest. This was our getaway day. This was their first game in Arlington. You had arm shot. You you, you threw somebody who looked good last year, who had a healthy or had a fresh arm because he, he had a disaster class on Friday. So it's all good. This team's still a pretty good team. You have a good lineup there. I think you have a lot to work with with the lineup. I think you have more depth bullpen-wise than you did last year. My concern is the starting pitching. Zach Petty. Uh, Jesus Christ, I called him Zach Petty. It's Zane Petty. I'm so sorry. It's Zane Petty. Uh, he only gave you two innings. Jack gave you four. You need Washburn giving you five most games. And that's kind of his limit. He's normally a four to five inning guy. He never went deep at Ole Miss, and Zane Petty he really didn't go deep either last year. But he was good the first time through the lineup. Can he get you through the second time through the lineup? Is going to be a big question. But overall, a good day in baseball. And now to football, we got to talk about this. The Big Twelve and our Big Ten and SEC want four auto bids a conference. Are you kidding me? Four auto bids. Fine, fine. They get four autobits. We get 10 for the NCAA basketball tournament then. We'll call it even. We'll call it even. I mean, come on. What's the fear with competition? I mean, go out there and schedule other opponents. What are we doing here? Well, if they want to break off, go ahead and say it. We're breaking off. Just break off. Fine. You're out of, you know what? You're out of football. You know what? You're out of baseball. Oh well, those kids—they want to go to LSU. Oh well, ooh la, la Louisiana Lafayette. Sorry, they're Louisiana now. My cousin was a trainer there when they were ooh la, la. They still look pretty good at baseball. They're a good baseball school in Louisiana. Oh well, our kids want to go to A and M in Texas. Well, you know what? TCU and Texas Tech have great programs. They can go play in Omaha. There. My opinion is, if the Big Ten and SEC break off or try to get too much power, you say no. And if you do that, you're out of basketball. And you're out of baseball. And that that should be the end of that. What's the use of Vanderbilt then? What's the use of Kentucky then? I mean, come on. It, what's the use of Illinois, Indiana then? If they don't have those sports, four auto bids. Just absolutely ridiculous. Four auto bids. You know what? The SEC. The SEC. I'll give them credit. Most years, they probably will get four teams in. Alabama, Georgia would have been in. Ole Miss would have been in. Other than that, I think they only get three teams in this past year. Maybe I'm spacing on one. Oh, Missouri would have been in. So, yeah, they would have got four. But the Big Ten, the Big Ten wanting four out of it, come on. You got two schools. You got Michigan. You got Ohio State. Then you got Penn State who diarrhea is the bed anytime they play anybody decent. You have Iowa who can't score a single point against a team ranked in the top 20. That was your fourth best team and you won a fourth out of it? Ah, go F yourself. Ah, get out of here. Hey, you know what? Tech Tech, maybe they'll never win their national title and maybe that'll be called the real one. But, come on. Hey, at this point, pretty far behind the Blue Bloods. It is what it is. If you're competing with the Kansas States of the world, the Utahs of the world, the North Carolinas of the world, schools like that, that's plenty of entertaining And you still get basketball. You still get baseball. I know football drives some money. But four auto bits. Four auto bits. And then you have these two conferences. By the way, at least the SEC has success on the football field. Then you got the Big Ten out there who does not have success on the football field. They don't. They have two schools. Fine, they'll get four schools. But Washington... And Oregon kind of come in waves on when they're good. Wanting all these bids. The only reason the Big Ten is so rich is because they have big alumni bases that are willing to settle for crap football. That, that's why they're so rich. I, It's ridiculous, the thought of them getting that many auto bids. That's going to do it for this one. Tech Tech back in action, both in baseball and basketball this weekend. Tech Tech in basketball goes ahead and takes on UCF in Orlando and Tech Tech is back at home by the way on ESPN Plus you don't got to pay 30 bucks a month for Flow Sports and you get better presentation for the most part with it probably not during basketball tracking all those other sports going on but Tech Tech back in it uh, against Texas Southern on ESPN Plus so you can go ahead and watch some Tech baseball